Happy Monday and welcome into NSN Daily. Busy weekend uh, around here when it came to uh, University of Nevada sports. Uh, a bowl announcement. Uh, Wolfpack men go out on the road and get a good win up at uh, Air Force Academy. And now Nevada heads to BYU. We'll have a report from Alex Margulies and Julian Delgado. You're not just on the game, but on a little uh, social activity they're going to be doing today. And that's, that's fine. They're working tonight as well. But um, also, you know, the, the transfer portal just keeps... <laughs> rearing its head every once in a while and now uh, former Bishop Minogue High School football star Peyton Dixon mm -hmm. saying that uh, despite the knee injury um, he's lost his coach at Fresno State that he's going to bail out and enter the portal as well so we're going to kick that around but let's get right to this bowl game Nevada going to take on the University of Idaho uh, excuse me Ohio <laughs> Ohio in Idaho at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yeah, so there's always two big things. It's what bowl are you going to? So famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I was wrong. I, I guess the New Mexico. I thought bowl. New Mexico. I really thought. <laughs> uh, but New this Mexico. is a fun bowl. I mean, it's drivable. If you're a Nevada fan, you're probably looking at six hours to get there. It's a really cool city. It's going to be after, uh, you know, the the holiday season. So uh, you know, it's it's achievable to be able to get there. Uh, and it gives Nevada an extra week of practice, which I think they're going to like a lot. Uh, and then you look at the second part. They're playing Ohio, and you look at the six and six record, and you're like, okay, that's not a very good team coming out of the MAC. But this is a team that lost four games by a field goal or less. This mm -hmm. could very easily be a 10 and 2 team, not a 6 and 6 team. Uh, they outscored their opponents by more than a touchdown per game. So they were very potent offensively. They have a, a quarterback who I kind of compare to Cody Fajardo, uh, Nathan Rourke. Uh, in his career, he has uh, 60 passing touchdowns, 48 rushing touchdowns, yeah. uh, leads the team in rushing attempts. So this is a guy uh, very much a dual threat athlete. Uh, he's going to be very uh, difficult to stop. Uh, but Ohio's off uh, defense, very, very bad. Not mm -hmm. very good. So mm -hmm. uh, it should be a high scoring game. Uh, they don't do a lot with their defense in terms of taking the ball away. Uh, low on turnovers, low on sacks, low on tackles for loss. So explosive on offense, not very explosive on defense. Uh, Ohio is roughly a touchdown favorite, and I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. They did play eight bowl opponents this season. That's a lot of bowl opponents in one season. Went two and six in those games, uh, and they were at four and six with two games left to go in the season. They ended up winning back-to-back -back games uh, to be able to get into the bowl situation. But this is a very well-coached team as well. Frank Solich, the former mm -hmm. Nebraska head coach, uh, his team won nine games each of the last two years. So this is a very, very difficult opponent, but a game that Nevada can certainly win if they come out and play well. Rourke has thrown for 20 touchdowns this year against just five interceptions. You're talking over 2,600 yards through the air this year, so a very, very talented quarterback and uh, you're talking about a team that finished second in the eastern division of the MAC behind Miami of Ohio coming off of a 52-3 win over Akron. We checked in with head coach Jay Norvell on Wolfpack All Access to ask him about the matchup. Here's part of that conversation. There's an old saying that uh, bowl games are like chicken wings. There's there's no bad ones and so we're really excited. You know uh, there's a lot of teams that aren't getting ready to play a bowl game and I told our our kids to really be excited about the opportunity, you know, be humble to be able to be practicing for a bowl game. We had a couple really great practices uh, this weekend. And, uh, and, and actually by playing, uh, you know, the first week in January, we'll probably get an extra, extra week of practice, which is great for our young players. It's great for the development of our program. And so we're really excited about, you know, being able to play a, a great team from the MAC and, and the University of Ohio and uh, should be a great game. Get a Bobcats six and six overall, five and three in MAC play. They took second in the Eastern Division of that conference. Uh, we know they've got a quarterback who can throw it all over the place, over 7,000 yards passing in his career, 20 touchdowns this year against five interceptions. Mm -hmm. What uh, what on paper do you have you even seen about these guys yet? I haven't seen much. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, we just uh, we just found out right before uh, this interview, so. 
Um, you know, I, I know Coach Solich. Uh, you know, I spent three years at Nebraska and got to know Coach Solich. He, he had moved on to Ohio. Uh, but what a great experienced coach. He's done a fabulous job his whole career. Uh, done a great job at Ohio. Um, his teams are always well prepared. They're very physical, uh, very fundamentally sound. And he's done a great job in bowl games there, too. I've, I've watched several of his bowl games. And so it'll be a great challenge for our guys. But it's, you know, bowl season is awesome because you get to play a team from a different conference, a different region. You get to match your style of play against their style of play. And so just really excited about the opportunity. Yep, yeah, should be fun. I mean, January 3rd, and we're talking uh, an ESPN bowl game. So uh, national television is not going to be on a secondary ESPN mm -hmm. channel. So it's going to be all the eyeballs are going to be watching that one at the same time. And, and it's a fun city. I mean, I like Boise. I like going, going up to Boise. And, and they support this bowl game usually pretty well. I'll be uh, interested to see who uh, the yeah. folks in the blue will be, uh, will be rooting for. Yeah. But, uh, you know, traditionally, you know, once you get to the end of the year, conference opponents support conference opponents. Yeah, you would think that they would be supporting Nevada, but you never know. Uh, it might be mixed there. And then one of the big question marks moving forward is, will Nevada have all of its players available? Yep. There's going to be some suspensions, presumably, after this Nevada-UNLV fight. We still have not heard anything from the Mountain West. We're almost 10 days after the uh, incident, and still they haven't said anything. So it'll be interesting to see, will Nevada be at full strength in terms of that? There's going to be suspensions, but will they be suspended for a conference game or next year's game, or uh, will it just hit with the bowl? So there's still a lot to be sorted out there. Uh, I do think the bowl being later is really good for Nevada from an academic side. I mean, you have finals starting this week, and it's very hard to prepare for a bowl game and also get through finals. I mean, yeah. that's number one objective uh, is to make sure you're getting good grades and you're passing all your classes and stuff like that. So uh, it's really nice that I think that, that the bowl is so late in the season that Nevada will be able to, uh, you know, focus on the academics and kind of just take this week off to really get prepared uh, academically, and then they can turn their focus to Ohio. I, the, the other thing about it being a later bowl is I really hope it encourages Pac fans to travel and go to this game. And I know, I know I've seen it on social media. I've seen it on Facebook page. Nevada fans are so ticked off yeah. about losing the cannon two years in a row. That doesn't happen around here. But at the same time, this is still the team that you rooted for 20 days ago. Yeah. And it's still going to be the same team you root for 20 years from now. So it's January 3rd. It's not interfering with the, the holidays. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an easy drive. Um, granted, keep it on the, on the weather. That's, we're we're going to be sending four people to this one, so we are going to be knocking out all the stops when it comes to our coverage on this one. Alex, Julian, Jenna, and Shannon are going to go to this one while Chris and I are going to be hanging here, and we'll have a pregame and postgame show for you um, of the uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Um, when you look at a quarterback like this, that's scary. I yeah. mean, and how, as Nevada, you don't know if you're going to get Lucas Weber back. You've got some youth there. Um, you've had guys step up because they've had to over the last, you know, six, eight, ten weeks because guys, guys get hurt. That's what happens in football. You don't know what your suspensions are going to be. Um, how do you even try and control a guy like this? Yeah, they're, they're just really explosive on both sides of the ball. They do run it about 60% of the time, but when they throw the ball, they have a lot of successful deep throws. You're at, uh, talking about 8.6 yards per pass attempt. That's mm -hmm. a huge number. Nevada's right around 6 yards per pass attempt. Uh, so they can do a lot of things to you with their offense, and over their last seven games, they're averaging 41.6 points per game. Yeah. Now, a couple of those games are against lesser opponents, but you're talking about 40-plus points 
points per game for more than half of the season. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. And Nevada can't do what it did against UNLV. Against UNLV, it gave up those big plays. It was actually pretty good, uh, you know, for all but basically four snaps on defense. Yeah. But those four snaps killed them. And I think that is the big test for Jeff Castile's defense in this one is can you make Ohio uh, use 10 to 15 plays to get down to the field, mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to the goal line? Uh, if you're going to give up the big plays, it's going to be a struggle uh, just because this is such an explosive offense. This is a senior quarterback who's been a three-year starter. He has three offensive linemen who made the all-MAC team, so he gets a lot of good support. Uh, he's got two really good running backs. One of them is a freshman who rushed for almost 900 yards. Another one, junior college transfer, who had 10 touchdowns. So there are a lot of different weapons here, uh, and that's going to be uh, Jeff Castile's number one thing is just can you limit the explosiveness? If they go and score on you uh, by having to take 12 plays to get into the end zone, you don't, you don't want that, but you'll live with it. Uh, mm -hmm. But you cannot allow the 50, 60-yard touchdown play, uh, which is what we saw against UNLV and which is what this offense is based on because it is so hard to know where the ball is because uh, of some of their read option game and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's going to be a really fun test for the Nevada defense. I think Nevada's defense has come a long way this season, um, but they haven't played a, a team this explosive for me uh, since they played Oregon. I think this mm -hmm. team is even a little bit more explosive offensively uh, than, than they saw in Hawaii. So this is, this is a big, big test. Well, and I think this is a chance for Nevada to, to kind of get over the humanitarian NPC computers, <laughs> famous Idaho potato roadies, whatever bowl on that turf and get over the hangover because, I mean, you, yeah. you lose to Maryland, you lose to Miami up there. Uh, they haven't had a ton of success. And, and that the, the curse of the blue turf, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that's something. I know it's a great week and they have a lot of fun. And that was one of the points that uh, SID Chad Hartley was saying is, you know, they, they get to go snow tubing and that's one yeah. of the greatest things there. You are there to win a bowl game and nothing yeah. against going out and having a good time, but Nevada's got a if, if you go long term, they've got a bad taste in their mouth. And, yeah, and that, that turf in particular, Nevada's not won a game uh, at that stadium since 1997. Yeah. It's been a long, long time. Now, most of those games are against Boise. Two of them have come in a bowl, uh, but that has not been a place where Nevada has had a lot of success. So mm -hmm. I think going up there and, uh, you know, it's not going to fix losing to UNLV. Fans are still going to be upset about that. Yeah. But it will uh, at least allow the team to go out on a higher note than if they were to lose to UNLV and then lose a bowl game. And as Coach Norvell pointed out, back-to-back -back, uh, seasons with bowl wins, just, uh, it's not happened at Nevada. So it's something that this senior class can say, you know, we did something that had never been done in Wolfpack history. Now, like I said, it doesn't bring back the cannon. And I know a lot of fans are completely focused on that and, uh, you know, rightfully so. Um, but they got another game to play. If they're still thinking about the Cannon game and UNLV, they're not going to win this one. So they have to emotionally uh, and physically get over that game and, and focus on this one like they did last year with the Arizona. Exact same thing that happened last year. So it's going to be Nevada against the Ohio Bobcats on ESPN. 12.30 p.m. kickoff. going to be on January 3rd in Boise, Idaho. We will, uh, of course, have uh, four of our team members making the trek to this one. We'll have uh, reports uh, from Boise that uh, whole week long leading up to the bowl game. Uh, Lucas Weber, congratulations to Lucas. Uh, we're, we're hoping to get see him come back and get mm -hmm. to play maybe one more game, but uh, an academic All-American. Yeah, first time uh, for Nevada, uh, first team academic All-American in any sport since 2009. So that's a really, really special honor. Had a 4.0 GPA uh, last time I checked. That's the highest you can get. And unfortunately, yeah, this season and much of his career was plagued by injuries. Um, but he, he really played well when he was able to get out there. I think his injuries were a result of how hard he played for this team, mm -hmm. how 
much he wanted to give uh, and you know it physically beat up his body but to show uh, you know uh, him being able to do it both in the classroom and on the field a McQueen High graduate a local a guy who walked on a guy who switched multiple positions he's everything you want in a student athlete uh, and I think you know Nevada Northern Nevada should be very proud that he came from a local high school as well so uh, while maybe a senior season didn't go exactly how, how he wanted uh, to be named an academic All-American first team is, is a very very special honor and something that he should cherish for the rest of his life. Uh, congratulations to Lucas. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Wolfpack men's basketball team off to a red hot start right now and Jalen Harris led the way for the pack in Colorado Springs. We'll hear from Coach Alford and Jalen in a report from Colorado. That's next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Only on a bowl week can we bury the lead here a little bit. But when Nevada improves to 7-3 and three overall uh, as a men's basketball program, 1-0 uh, now with a win at Air Force, 100-85. to 85. Uh, We'll get to the Jalen Harris performance in a moment because he was everything. But uh, this is a good solid win for the pack on the road. Yeah, I mean, they looked really, really good offensively again. I mean, this offense is actually starting to remind me a little bit of two years ago, the Sweet 16 team. They're just shooting the ball so well that if you're going to make 12 to 14 three-pointers per game, that gives you so much more margin for error at the rest of your game. And they didn't play great defense they did foul a little bit too much mm -hmm. uh, but they were able to play you know even at the free throw line that was one of our keys going into it Air Force lived at the free throw line uh, even there they obviously did a really good job shooting threes they did a really good job rebounding so uh, you know they they played a good game and then Air Force made a run and Nevada responded right back with a run so they basically controlled the game from start to finish uh, and it's you know they continue to do stuff like this now you want to see it a little against a little bit better competition and they'll yeah, get the opportunity with BYU and they'll get the opportunity with St. Mary's in a little while uh, but they really have upped their level of play uh, since they went over to the Virgin Islands they've been able to uh, make sure that that's not one you know just a three-game anomaly now it looks like this is Nevada's team moving forward uh, a team that's excellent at shooting the three-pointer and they're doing enough in the other facets of the game uh, to really come out and keep winning these games by double digits. All right, let's check in with two other members of our team who are on the road with the pack for this two-game swing. Alex Margulies and Julian Delgadio from Colorado Springs. Welcome to Colorado Springs, Colorado and the Air Force Academy as the Nevada men's basketball team opens up Mountain West Conference play with an impressive 185 win over the Falcons. And welcome inside Kloon Arena alongside Julian Delgadio. I'm Alex Margulies. Nevada really impressive again, Julian, especially on the offensive end. 14 threes, and they really were able to penetrate 27 of 32 from the free throw line, led by Jalen Harris, who set a new career high with 31 points. Yeah, they really, you know, came out swinging. In the first 10 minutes of this match, Nevada was 100% from the three-point line. They were hitting absolutely everything. Air Force made it interesting in the second half. They made it close. They tied the game up at one point, but I think it's really impressive. Nevada wins by 18 points walks away with this one, opens up their Mountain West Conference season 1-0, and and you know, on to BYU. All right, let's go to the highlights of this one as Nevada tops the Falcons. Nevada would come out aggressive in this one, led by junior guard Jalen Harris. Bucket plus the foul, Nevada on top, 7-2. And the Pack's hot three-point shooting would pick up right where it left off on Wednesday. Zane Meeks the triple. He would have three on the night. Then Jazz Johnson packed perfect four of four from beyond the arc and jump out 25-12. Second half action. Lindsey Drew finds the big man John Carlos Reyes in transition, slams it home. Nevada on top by 10. But the Falcons would rally back behind their senior guard, Lavelle Scotty. They would even things up, tied up 68 to 68. And Nevada would immediately respond, steamrolling the Falcons the rest of the way. Drew hits the triple to get it started. Then Nisrae Zuzwa goes through the teeth of the defense, gives Nevada a six point advantage. 
And then how about the freshman Kane Milling getting into the mix? A career high three triples for Milling as Nevada goes on a 13-0 run. And then Harris would cap it off. A team season high and career best for Harris with 31 points on 11 of 17 shooting. Nevada, their highest scoring game of the season, 100 to 85 the final. Here's Jalen Harris and Steve Alford after the game. Well, we thought we could drive him, and Jalen's one of the best we got at it, and he can create for self, he can create for others. Jalen had a terrific game, and he did get us going, of getting guys going downhill and having the paint under attack, because we thought we could get to the line, and we did that. And when we get to the line, it just takes our offense to a whole other level, because people are getting foul trouble, it affects how they're gonna guard us, and then all of a sudden the three ball opens up, and we make 13 of those. So. Uh, offensively, uh, we didn't make a lot of mistakes in this game. Jalen, you guys start off the season 1-0 Mountain West play. Uh, what did it take to get this done? It was a fight. Air Force is a good team. They're experienced and, you know, they fought. They hit us hard in the second half, but we bounced back and we recovered. And to be able to get the win, any win in conference, especially a road win, is big time. Up next, Nevada stays on the road. They head to Utah to take on BYU. Pretty tough non-conference game from a West Coast Conference team. Nevada? Should rise to the occasion. Six o'clock tip time, Northern Nevada time. We'll have all the coverage for you leading up to that. Julie and I will be making the trip from Colorado over to Utah. Stay tuned on our social media at Nevada Sportsnet or follow us on our website as well at NevadaSportsnet.com. Julian Delgadio, I'm Alex Margulies here in Colorado Springs. We'll see you next time. Yeah, if you want to see that uh, full conversation with uh, Coach Alford from Wolfpack All Access, you can check the website as well. We were talking kind of during that piece, and you mentioned the Sweet 16 team. Um, I don't know that it's a word, but uh, you talked about somebody mm. coined it spurtability, is that this team can go on runs and can endure. Somebody like Air Force crawls back and kicks and scratches just to go even. Nevada goes, meh and goes on a 13-0 run, and it just breaks the will of a team. Yeah, and that's what you have when you have guys who can make three-pointers in a row. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they can really put some distance between them and the opponent, and Nevada has that. Jalen Harris can go on individual runs. Jazz Johnson can go on individual runs. What I liked in this game is that they didn't settle for the three. They were a lot more aggressive trying to get to the basket because you have seen this team take a lot of three-pointers. In this game, they had 23 three-point attempts to 32 free-throw attempts, yeah. and that was a big vulnerability for Air Force. Their defense was not good. Would Nevada bail them out by just taking a bunch of threes? They did. They were very aggressive. It looked like Air Force was trying to slow down Jazz Johnson, and that's why this team is difficult to stop. Yeah, you hold Jazz uh, to only 14 points. He only takes two three-point attempts, and Steve Alford wants him to take 10, so they put their focus on him. But then you have Jalen Harris, who goes out and has a monster game, 31 points. And then the bench was really, really good. We've known Nisrae Zuzwa has been a very solid contributor off the bench. Zane Meeks does it again with 13 points. And then we saw Kane Milling hit all three of his three-point attempts uh, for nine points. So I think the, the depth of this team, while they don't have a lot of scholarship players, uh, there is a good depth of score. And that's not something that we've seen uh, even in the team two years ago when Nevada's team last year obviously didn't have a lot of depth. Uh, you do have multiple guys who can go out there and get you double-digit points uh, and really spread out the scoring. I think Jalen Harris's play uh, since the Virgin Islands, basically since he's been healthy, has been phenomenal. Uh, but don't overlook how much the bench has helped. Don't overlook how deep this team has become in terms of scoring because you have, in this game in particular, you have five guys who go and get you double figures and Kane Milling with nine points. Uh, we haven't seen a Nevada team that's really been six, seven deep in, in guys. Uh, who can go give you 10 points on a given night. You got guys crashing the boards, too. I mean, when they rebounding battle by nine, I would you know, expect that. I mean, this is an Air Force team that is disciplined. You run the Princeton offense, and, and we talked about it last week, is that Nevada needs to be Nevada and do what they're supposed to do, and they were going to go out and win this game by double figures, and that's exactly what they did. But what you're also seeing is despite 
Jalen Harris going off for 31 points. You had five players in double figures. Mm. You've got guys that want to share the basketball. Granted, you score 100 points, you're going to have to have guys mm. scoring the basketball. But uh, I, I see a very unselfish team. And I, Coach Alford's not going to say to us just yet. He's not going to go, well, this team's right where I want them to be. He's not going to say, well, there's always going to be something in, in every coach that, uh, that, that has a high success level. There's always ways to improve. But what we've seen out of this team compared to what we saw in Davidson, it's night and day. These are yeah. two completely different teams, Chris. And now can they take it to the better opponents? Yes, they have won five in a row. They've been so dominant. They've trailed for literally 74 seconds out of the last 200 minutes of basketball. That's Amazing. really tough to do no matter who you're playing. So they've been dominant. Now can they go and beat a good team like BYU? Mm -hmm. BYU is a high-level Mountain West team if it was in the Mountain West. They beat a team like Virginia Tech. They've beaten some really good opponents this year if they go out and they beat BYU then they can show okay it, that one's not going to be one where Nevada wins coast to coast I don't think they're going to be no. leading wire to wire if they get tested will they be able to come out with a win in a very tough road environment Steve Alford is not liked at BYU he got into a scrap with the BYU player when he was New Mexico's head coach mm -hmm. I am 100% sure that BYU fans do not forget that no. and that, that will be some contentious there um, so I think this is a really huge game for Nevada to show okay we're, we're beating all of these teams that we should be beating and they're doing it more impressive than the betting lines are suggesting they should uh, but now we can go out and beat a really high level team on the road because this is going to be you're going to have to go out and beat a, a Utah State or a San Diego State or a, at Boise when you get into conference play uh, I'm really really interested to see if Nevada wins this game against BYU this is going to be a game where they're probably not going to be favored yeah. they're going to be an underdog for the first time since they played at Davidson and can they go out there and show you know we didn't we didn't bring it against Davidson a really high level team on the road uh, but we have grown so much that we can bring it against a team like BYU so I think this game is going to tell us a ton about where the Wolfpack exactly is and whether it is ready to challenge not just in the upper half of the Mountain West but can they actually win the Mountain West championship mm -hmm. if they go out and beat BYU handily I think they can make the argument that yeah they're ready to go out and beat San Diego State Utah State teams like that uh, when they get into conference play you know a couple of weeks from now so it'll be Nevada and BYU on Tuesday night in Provo so a tough environment to play in 6 p.m. tip off on ESPNU if you want to check that out or ESPN radio 94.5 FM of course our guys are on the road and you're gonna see what they're doing on the road here in just a few minutes, uh, taking a little downtime. Um, well, Eric Parrish has landed, and he's landed in San Antonio. Yep. I never, never got to play for Nevada. I yeah. was disappointed to see that, but uh, I'm happy for the kid to be able to land somewhere else. Yeah, hopefully it all works out for him. As we mentioned on the show before, he has a young daughter, so you want him to have the best situation uh, to be able to go out there and provide for her. So, you know, obviously it didn't work out here, and it's really unfortunate because he was a very, very talented player. I think would have had a big role in this year's team. Uh, but nice to see him land at a Division One school and get an opportunity, uh, you know, with the Roadrunners, and hopefully he's able to make the best of that. Obviously, he was one of those guys who signed under uh, Eric Musselman, and then things changed, and he tried to stick on with the Wolfpack and tried to uh, stay with his, uh, you know, signed letter of intent. It just just didn't work out. So uh, hopefully, he does play well for uh, UTSA because I do think this is a guy who has pro potential. Yeah. He's another long, six foot seven, six foot eight wing player who can shoot, he can rebound, he can handle the ball. Uh, you know, positionalist kind of guy. So that's why Nevada liked him, and, and hopefully, it, it does work out for him. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, the guys are out on the road with Wolfpack, and they are testing. The snow. Snowbird, Utah. How does it compare to Squaw Valley and some of our finer resorts here in the area? We're going to check in with Alex and Julian coming up.
Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, Nevada playing uh, with uh, two games in four days, and we've got our guys out on the road with them. But, you know, there are times when we got to give them a day off. Yeah. It's technically <laughs> a day off. But, uh, you know, they will, uh, the guys find some uh, some recreation and always find a lot of fun. And this this is a gem I found out just outside of Salt Lake City. And uh, Alex is joining us now from Snowbird Ski Resorts there outside Salt Lake City in just an absolute gorgeous scene behind you, Al. Yeah, it's been amazing uh, here, guys. Uh, I'm amazed at just the access to the mountains that you have in Salt Lake City. Uh, you've got two canyons, basically, Big Cottonwood Canyon, Little Cottonwood Canyon. They're littered uh, with different ski resorts, of, of course. Then there's Park City and some other Deer Valley uh, and the other areas. But we're here in Little Cottonwood Canyon at Snowbird. Uh, they're right next door with, with Alta. Um, and, yeah, it was only about a 15-minute ride from our hotel. I mean, just amazing access and a great way to kill some time in the morning before we catch up and meet up with the Nevada men's basketball team tonight at their shoot-around. Yeah, we'll get to this basketball team that you've been able to follow uh, quite uh, heavily over the last uh, few weeks in, in just a moment. Where would you compare what you've been able to do this morning? We've got great video of you and Julian up on the mountain this morning. I mean, we've got a world-class skiing area just minutes away from our downtown. How, how would you compare it, or does it remind you of anything in our area? You know, I would say part of the terrain reminds me a little bit of Kirkwood, which is uh, in South Lake Tahoe. Uh, then you've got the big tram, so so maybe that reminds you of Heavenly. Uh, you actually take a tram from an 8,000 or so foot base up to 11,000 feet at the peak. Uh, it is early season here, so they don't have a lot of their terrain open, but what is open is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the one thing that people always say about Utah when it comes to their skiing, it's their snow quality. Uh, the, the way that the dynamics kind of line up and with the Salt Lake and all that different stuff like that, you get really light, dry snow, and they got about three inches overnight, and so it wasn't a lot of snow, but the snow here feels great. It's soft. Uh, it, it's really fun to ski through, and, and it's been a, a new experience for me. So it's been a, a real treat to check out Utah and, and, and see what this is all about. And for me, it, it makes me think like, hey, if you're a Nevada Wolfpack fan, a lot of you guys have these regional ski passes like Icon, which is the one we're on here today, or the Epic Pass. I mean, go take a trip and follow Nevada basketball. Go see them on the road at Utah State coming up on January 11th and then come down and enjoy some skiing out here in Utah. It's a great way to make a little trip out of it, and, and uh, I, I hope some people take advantage of that. Obviously, you were in the Virgin Islands a couple of weeks ago. Now you're in the snow, two completely <laughs> different climates. What is your preference between the two? Uh, do, do you prefer the snow or do you prefer the sun and the sand? Ah, oh, man, that's impossible. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, I, so, so I'm a Gemini, which means I'm split like even, you know, right? You have like the two personalities is what they say. Uh, so I love them equally. I mean, put me on a beach in some, some blue water and go scuba diving or swimming or snorkeling and I'm in heaven or, or put me on skis uh, on, on a blue day or, or even on a day like today. So, I mean, I just love being outside. I think that's, uh, you know, my big thing is, is whether it's at a beach, whether it's on a mountain, I just love uh, enjoying the outdoors and, and, and certainly lucky with this job to do a lot of that. One day he's the big Honu, and the next day he's the big Snownu. Uh, Alex, let's talk about this basketball team. Jalen Harris, absolutely phenomenal. 22 points in the first half on his way to a career high. 31 against the Air Force Academy in a game where, yeah, Air Force came back and tied this game, but Nevada, as Chris and I were talking about earlier in the show, reminds us of that Sweet 16 team that can just go on a run almost at any time, and it, they, it, they just never looked like they panicked. They never looked threatened. 
No, not at all. I mean, this was a Nevada team once again that basically set the tone of the basketball game and really never looked back outside of that little rally by Air Force. But as soon as Air Force tied it, Nevada goes on a 13-0 run, and, and they do still have that ability with great three-point shooting. This might be the best three-point shooting team Nevada has had over the last four years. I mean, the depth of guys that can hit three-point shots right now is really impressive. You're seeing Zane Meeks hitting from the outside now. You're seeing Kane Milling. He had three triples uh, in that win over Air Force. Nisrae Zuzwa is contributing. Jazz Johnson, Jalen Harris, Lindsey Drew. I mean, there's just so many weapons, and you're really just seeing a team that's playing quality team basketball. Uh, and it did all start with Jalen Harris. I mean, he really set the tone early in that game, driving to the basket uh, with really no opposition from Air Force. He was just taking it to the hoop at will and then uh, pouring it on every which way from there. I mean, it was a really impressive performance. And like you guys said, I think seeing a little bit of adversity and the fact that a team rallied on them, how would they respond? And they responded incredibly well uh, as soon as Air Force tied it, going on that big run and, and just showing how quickly, as you guys said, that they can really just flip the game on somebody. Now you've got the Snowbird Resort behind you, and unfortunately for you, uh, you're going to actually have to work today a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know uh, you're going to practice. What's the itinerary this afternoon and plan for the pack? Yeah, so the team is able to work out at a local gym. They weren't able to get into BYU uh, this afternoon. They got in last night. Uh, so they're planning on practicing a little bit later this evening. They'll actually get to BYU, kind of like they did at Air Force, get some shots up, get used to the rims, get used to the, the floor. And for many of these guys, it's their first trip to BYU. In fact, I don't think I can think of anyone uh, that had been here before. So to me, it's, a, it's just a great, unique opportunity for Nevada to, to play a quality non-conference opponent. And, and Nevada has not necessarily been tested all that hard in this last couple weeks stretch, but to go on the road, and, and if you can beat BYU, a West Coast Conference team on the road, uh, that would be a nice signature victory here in this non-conference season for Steve Alford. All right, Alex Markley is outside of Salt Lake City. Appreciate the time and uh, be safe as you guys head back in and uh, get to work in Provo. All right, sounds good, guy. We'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow uh, out at BYU. Sounds very good. Thanks very much. You know, um, this he's absolutely right. When you talk about a non-conference quality win, that, I mean, now we're starting to think, I, I'm not thinking at-large bid at, at yet, yet, but <laughs> I'm a positive guy. Maybe. Who yeah. knows? You get to the championship game, you lose to somebody who's a top 25 team, and you've got maybe a win against a top 25 team or two under your belts, and Maybe you get a, a shiny, nice little record, and, and who knows what the, what the committee wants to decide. Yeah, I think they need to beat BYU and they need to beat St. Mary's if they want to legitimately put themselves in a position where they can talk about at large. Yeah. There were some opportunities earlier this season with Davidson, with USC, with Utah that they weren't able to take advantage of. Now they only have two of those opportunities left, so they do have to cash those in. You look at BYU, they've beaten some pretty good teams. You're talking about beating UCLA, beating Virginia Tech, which mm -hmm. beat Michigan State, beating Houston, but they also lost to Boise State. They also lost to San Diego State. Now they did just beat UNLV by 33 points, so that's that shows you how potent they could potentially be. They uh, have a similar uh, opponent in Utah. They lost to Utah in overtime. So I think Nevada is going to be right at the same level as BYU in this game. Just it being on the road, I think the Cougars are going to be a little bit uh, in the advantage. And if Nevada is going to go out and win this game and then beat St. Mary's, which has spent a lot of season in the top 25, and then beat Texas Southern, which is uh, in between those two games, then you're looking at uh, a non-conference schedule where you end up going 7-3 and three against non-conference. Mm -hmm. And that puts you in a much better position in terms of at-large. So it looked like the door was completely shut. 
show with the loss to USC followed by the loss to Davidson with the loss to Utah to open the season. But they might be able to jar it open just based on how they played of late. But it will require wins over BYU and St. Mary's to legitimately be in that conversation come March. All right, we'll have a report tonight on our sister station news floor from Alex Margulies and Julian Delgado as they head out to uh, Nevada practice at BYU tonight. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, a local has put his name into the transfer portal. Where is Peyton Dixon heading? What are his options? We're going to talk about that next. Welcome back into NSN Daily, and the transfer portal rears its head once again, and this time it's Peyton Dixon, former Bishop Minogue High School running back, record-setting player for the Miners, who ends up choosing Fresno State, tears the knee, loses his coach, and now he's saying, I'm out of Dodge. Yeah, I mean, it's very unfortunate. Obviously, you don't go to school, uh, you know, thinking you're going to transfer a year later, but that's what happened with Peyton. Obviously, the knee injury in training camp, which uh, ended his season, uh, was a huge, huge deal. And then when you lo lose your coach, when you lose your bond to the program that you committed to, mm -hmm. uh, it's always, uh, you know, understandable to have second thoughts about going to that school. So, yeah, Jeff Tedford stepped down after three seasons at Fresno State because of health issues. Uh, he had a heart ailment a, a number of years ago. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, he's healthy and moving forward in the right direction. But it looks like Peyton also will be moving in the right direction. Not just because you put your name in the portal doesn't mean you're 100% leaving. Right, uh, right. You do have the option that if Fresno State were to hire a coach and they had a good rapport, uh, that he could end up staying there. But certainly the big question uh, in these parts is will uh, he end up coming to Nevada? Because mm -hmm. Nevada was a school that was very interested in him coming out of high school. He was one of a number of offers that uh, Peyton had along with Wyoming, UNLV, UC Davis, and obviously picked Fresno State. And, uh, you know, I think there's a, a need at Nevada's roster. They only returned two scholarship running backs in uh, Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee. Those are two very good running backs, but usually you have more than two right. scholarship running backs on your roster, and they have uh, only one uh, commit in the 2020 class, Avery Morrow from the Seattle area. So uh, would not be shocked if he did end up coming to Nevada. I have not spoken with Peyton, so I don't have any inside information on him mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, but I know the Wolfpack is certainly interested in, in getting the uh, former minor star uh, to maybe, you know, join their fold and, and uh, add a little bit more local flavor onto their roster. And Nevada's had a change at running backs coach mm -hmm. uh, with David White departing and the hire of Vitawa to uh, to coach a running back. So uh, if I had to ask you today, gut feeling, and he goes back to that list of schools, and now that he's reopening his, his uh, recruitment, granted anybody can come offer him yep. now, uh, do you have a gut feeling? Well, no, I think Nevada's probably the place that will end up coming. Uh, and again, no inside information from the Dixon family at all. But uh, you look at a guy who had, uh, you know, probably five or six offers. Then he goes to a school and he tears his knee up. So are those schools still going to be interested knowing that he had to sit out a year uh, because of that? Will he be the same athlete? I think he will. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he was very, very interested in UC Davis coming out of high school. So maybe that is uh, the fit. And if he does transfer down to the FCS level, he wouldn't have to sit out a year. Yeah. Now, uh, per the NCAA rules, if he does come to Nevada, he would have to sit out a year unless his uh, waiver was uh, you know approved by the NCAA and we are seeing a lot more of these waivers approved uh, Nephi Sewell got to play in the Pac-12 championship right. game because his waiver got approved right. before the final regular season game of the year McLean Maddox was able to transfer and play immediately at Texas Tech so it certainly could happen but I do think you mentioning the change at running backs coach is a huge huge deal I think if Vitawa was Nevada's running back coach during the recruitment process the first time around uh, there's a much better chance that Peyton Dixon would have ended up at Nevada there just wasn't the perfect fit uh, with David White the previous 
previous running backs coach, so that was part of the reason that he ended up going to Fresno State. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to put my money on the Wolfpack, and, uh, you know, hopefully Peyton finds the best fit for him in a place that uh, he can, uh, you know, be where he wants to be, and, mm -hmm. and clearly that's not Fresno right now. Um, but I just think the fit, it, it sounds perfect to me. I mean, yeah. you have a team that's showing that it wants to run the ball a lot more than you would think for an air raid team. Uh, if he does have to sit out a year, that's fine. Then he's probably going to take over as the lead back, uh, you know, potentially heading into his junior season because you do have Toa Tau and Devontae Lee, two really good running backs who are only going to be juniors next year. But uh, he can certainly get in the mix in there for carries. And I think he's a really talented player. Yeah. I mean, you look at the size. He's a legit five foot eleven. Uh, you look at the speed. I mean, he has track speed, yep. and he was able to run in between the tackles at Bishop Minogue a lot better than I think a lot of teams thought he would. I mean, he was always kind of known as this speed guy who you want to get out on the edges, but he was a tough running back. Uh, he showed that he could catch the ball. He showed against teams like Bishop Gorman that he could play against the highest uh, level of competition and be really, really good as well. So, uh, you know, I really like him as a prospect. Who knows how he's going to return from the knee injury, but assuming it's going to be 100%, it wasn't a torn ACL, uh, you know, I think that, that he can be a very, very productive player at the FBS level. And I think the fan base to some degree at Nevada is frothing at the mouth to keep some of these local stars home. Right. You know, maybe they didn't get to keep Peyton Dixon home the first time. Maybe they didn't get to keep uh, Caden Bennett, who went to Boise State home the first time. Uh, but, you know, Caden came back to Nevada and, and maybe Peyton does. And, uh, you know, I think that helps attendance. I think it helps other local recruits saying maybe maybe I don't need to go somewhere else. Maybe I can stay here. Uh, and there are a couple of names still out there. You have Joey Wright, uh, obviously the Bishop Minogue, right. uh, you know, player who was uh, committed to USC and now decommitted. We'll see where he ends up as well. Um, but if, if Nevada could build a pipeline to Minogue, that'd be really, really good because they're developing a lot of really good players. All right, we'll keep an eye on what happens with Peyton Dixon now that he has entered the transfer portal down at Fresno State. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, San Francisco 49ers with a huge win in the Big Easy. We'll break that down coming up next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. This felt like a heavyweight fight, a championship caliber sort of game between San Francisco and New Orleans in the Big Easy. And if you're the Niners or a Niner fan, you probably have to be going, man, one of these finally went your yeah. way because yeah. um, it's been kind of rough luck for San Francisco. They win 48-46, first time in the history of the NFL. <laughs> a game has finished 48-46. That's a fun tid little tidbit. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball all over the yard. So did Drew Brees. It was funny watching the pregame show with all the all the guys. I mean, you got Strahan, you got you got Terry Bradshaw, and, uh, and all of these experts, and they're like, this is going to be a defensive struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be all defense and, and whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> uh, the only guy who I think really nailed it a little bit with Strahan. He goes, it's going to be whoever has the ball last. Yeah. And he was absolutely right. But Niners even a little trickery here. The wide receiver throw from Emmanuel Sanders for the touchdown here. But uh, to me, San Francisco showed that they can win the big game in a tough environment. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo proved a lot. I think he showed that he can go out there and if his defense isn't, you know, clicking for him, he can go out there and win a game against a really good opponent on the road. The Superdome is one of the hardest places in the NFL to win a game. Uh, and he had to do it in very adverse conditions with, you know, the final minute needing a field goal. And he came up with a big play on fourth down. George Kittle was huge uh, on that completion. And I think, you know, at this point, the 49ers are as good as any team in the NFL. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? Who knows? But there isn't a team that you can say is better than the 49ers in the NFL right now. I think you look at the top tier 
year. Uh, I'm putting the Ravens up there. I'm putting the 49ers up there, and I would still put the Saints up there. Those, to me, are your three best teams in the NFL. And then below them, you're looking at teams like the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, things like that. But, yeah, they've really answered a lot of questions as this schedule has tightened up. I mean, even losing to the Ravens in close fashion on the road, I think, was a very positive sign that they could show that they could go on the road, uh, you know, in a very difficult position. What could be an AFC champion or uh, a Super Bowl, you know, kind of matchup yeah. and, and go out there and win it. So, uh, yeah, that was a super, uh, you know, exciting game. It, it, to me, it was the most exciting game of the NFL season so far. Uh, and I think it gives the 49ers a lot of experience in this situation. So when they do get to the playoffs, uh, you know, they are able to lean on that and say, you know, we were able to pull out one of these close games yeah. and, and come away with the win. Unfortunately, um, what I hope doesn't get forgotten, and I don't think, don't think it will be, was Drew Brees being Drew Brees. <laughs> I mean, at the end, they give him no time. And all he does is pick this San Francisco defense apart, which is one of the best in the NFL statistically, march down the field and calmly go, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm up there with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and some of the best ever. And I'm, you know, hat, he's got to tip his cap to Jimmy Garoppolo, but at the same time, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I go, you know, we came this close yeah. to losing that. And that could be something that happens. Uh, at Levi's or whether or not it depends on what San Francisco does because now they control their own destiny and, and you're looking at uh, the Falcons, the Rams, the Seahawks. Falcons are having a down season. Uh, the Rams are the Rams. I mean, you had a, had a big win over yeah. the Seahawks this week and then, uh, you t come on. I mean, Seahawks, are, it's it's incredible. The quarterback play and, and we always talk about, oh, the, no, there's, there's three or four quarterbacks and then there's everybody else. There are not anymore. There's, no, there's a half a, a dozen. <laughs> there's half a dozen, if not more, guys. Because Lamar Jackson's a real deal. I love watching him play. Mm -hmm. um, if if you were to pick a guy now, and you had to build your franchise around him. How tough so, would that so be? So you're talking about decision? like long term or are you just talking about this year? Because that, that would be the interesting thing. I, I would probably go Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, because Drew Brees is up there in age. Aaron Rodgers is up there in age, but he's not super, super old. He's not yeah. at the end of his career. I think Tom Brady's best years are behind him, and they were great, great years. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, six uh, Super Bowls. But, I mean, it just seems like Russell Wilson, uh, you know, does so much for his team. Mm -hmm. uh, now that he has a little bit of an offensive line, uh, you know, he is just such a phenomenal player. And while I love Lamar Jackson, we've just seen this story before with Colin Kaepernick, with RG3. How long can you sustain this yeah. style of play? Yeah. This is not a huge guy. And you're asking him to run maybe 15 times per game. Yeah. At some point, that's going to wear you down. So while I think he's phenomenal and I think he's absolutely amazing uh, and I think the window is huge for them this season before yeah. teams really are able to catch on before he gets uh, dinged up, I just don't know that you're going to get him for 5-10 years. Right. Uh, you know, Patrick right. Mahomes is, is the other one for me. Yeah. Like Patrick Mahomes is so great. His skill position players and Andy Reid, uh, I'm not trying to downplay what Patrick Mahomes has done, but they're, they're phenomenal yeah. as well. Uh, Andy Reid to me is the second best offensive mind in the game behind Kyle Shanahan and then you're just talking about Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and that, that they're just so loaded that Russell Wilson doesn't have that benefit. So mm -hmm. I, I'm probably taking Russell Wilson, uh, you know, but y you're right. I mean, we're seeing great quarterback play across the NFL, and it's really, really fun to watch. And, uh, you know, whoever makes it to the Super Bowl, it's going to be two great quarterbacks against each other because yeah. they're going to have to go through some great quarterbacks. Together. And I'm not going to put him in the, the elite class, but look at what Tannehill's done. Yeah. Coming in and filling in there in Tennessee. It's been amazing. The quarterback play this year has been really phenomenal. Um, speaking of Lamar Jackson, who I think is the most terrifying player in the league right now just because of what he can do, you know, Almost some industrial <laughs> espionage went on on Sunday. Now, check this out. It's a breezy day. Orchard Park, New York. Your Bills against the Ravens. And some of the Ravens' in-game paperwork <laughs> featuring overhead shots of the Buffalo defense ends up on the team or ends up on the field. Bills cornerback, yeah. Tredavious White goes, uh, wait, let me take some notes on this. 
it, it's hilarious that this can actually happen. Yeah, that's funny. In tw almost 2020, he's like, okay, uh, what are we looking at here? What are you do? Well, Tredavious doesn't need the help. He's one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL. And the right. Bills' defense actually held in there pretty well. It's just their offense isn't isn't that great. And, uh, you know, the Ravens winning on the road was, was really, really big. But I, I actually, I'll go out to Wolfpack practice sometimes, and I'll <laughs> sometimes see sheets as well. So you got to be very careful with those sheets. You yeah. don't want them to get into the wrong hand. Now, right. usually it's just scout team stuff, but, uh, you know, a, a couple errant sheets could win or lose a game Absolutely. for Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to know what the opponent's doing. Well, coming up next here on NSN Daily, we'll have some final thoughts as we wrap things up here on a Monday. Oh, has the first chip fallen? Seven <laughs> years, $245 million. Steven Strasburg staying with the Washington Nationals wow. and the happiest guy about this whole thing has to be Garrett Cole. Oh, for sure. Garrett Cole might get $300 million oh at this God. rate. Like, I thought that kind of contract would land Garrett Cole, and yeah. this was the pace setter. I didn't think Garrett Cole was going to sign until Strasburg signed because he's going to get a much better deal. He's a little bit younger. He hasn't had the uh, Tommy John surgery. So, uh, yeah, Garrett Cole is certainly going to get paid a lot of mm -hmm. money. Uh, is it going to be the Dodgers? Is it going to be the Giants? Is it going to be the Yankees? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I would like to be Garrett Cole right now. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're looking at the guy that they're comparing you to and being a younger version of and, oh, doesn't have the damage in the elbow or damage yeah. in the arm, oh my, I, 300 <laughs> million, I can't even fathom. Yeah. I mean, come on. Is Dominic a right-hander or a left-hander? <laughs> he is a righty. I should make him throw a left. Oh, yeah, lefty is what you want. Absolutely. <laughs> if you want a college scholarship, left-handed relieving yeah. pitcher. Just seems but like it's working out for Garrett Cole, and he's right-handed. So yeah. maybe maybe there's $300 million in, in the future oh, for Dominic. We'll keep an eye on this, man. <laughs> $300 million could be absolutely insane. Uh, coming up tomorrow here on NSN Daily Olympian, Jake Dalton will join us on the show. Thanks for being with us. He's Chris. I'm Brian. We'll see you next time.